Welcome to the Healing Happy Hour with Crystal and Vienna, two deeply unserious people exploring serious topics while cackling and sometimes crying. Together, we're learning to push back against the trauma of being a human in the world today through ancient wisdom and practices, modern therapeutic techniques, and anything else that moves the needle towards healing. If you're also sick of tripping over your own bullshit, join us while we create a sanctuary for everyone who is ready to activate the magic in their life. I need to talk about I will be the first to admit that back in the day, I was real into Harry Potter. Like, I was... The, this was before. Like, we didn't know everything back then, right? Like, when the books were coming out, I was fully at, like, the midnight releases at the bookstore. Went to every movie at midnight. It was a whole thing. I didn't know you were this invested. I was invested. Ooh, girl. I never went into, like, the cosplay side of things, but... I actually feel like somebody's going to call me the fuck out on that because there was a year for Halloween that like we did a group Halloween costume, but I think that's oh, that didn't count. a cosplay thing. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> I really I love the story. I was so convinced that I was like, I am a Gryffindor through and through, but like you, like now I do think it's a little, it's a lot. Listen, Harry Potter people, y'all are a lot. And I'm going to say this right now and don't slide. You're about to say something. And say it with your whole chest. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to say this with my whole chest. I've never seen any of those fucking movies. I've never read those books. And I probably never will. I lie. I probably will when my kids want to. But like, like we're going to read it. It's fine. Whatever. But here's why. One time, Monica and I, we were at, at Terra Thai in Rockville, Maryland, having a very bougie Thai lunch and decided to go afterward. I don't know, like walking around the shopping center. And like a gaggle of kids, but not like little kids, like teenagers. So not even kids, okay? And I'm not like that much older than these people. There was a rack of them and they were all like dressed up in capes with like fucking, you know, wands and whatever. And I was just like so taken aback for some reason because I was not probably like, I mean, I was being a hater. I was like, what is happening? It was just a lot. Like, and they were all like, running around and there were like some capes moving and I was like this is a lot I also have to say though I don't have that level of fandom about like anything like barely anything like there are instinct people there are Backstreet Boys people there are um like Beyonce people I, I get it I get why people are obsessed with Beyonce there are like like the people you see in the crowd like crying at a Michael Jackson concert like I don't have that level of fanaticism about anything so to see like caped teenagers like running around like very excited for this movie i was like what is happening um that probably speaks to the level of joy <laughs> i just i was like what is this i had never seen like moviegoers like that hyped about anything before and for some reason i was just like oh this is like strange to me and, and i just never saw it like i'm afraid of that i don't like it it's not okay <laughs> it was overwhelming to me not accessible for the public <laughs> hide your emotions people don't be so joyful out in the streets. That's awful. I definitely leaned towards fanaticism of things, like not necessarily just Harry Potter. Mm. I think it was uh, my flavor of neurodivergence. <laughs> <laughs> that was the seasoning I had. I was hardcore in sync. And like prior to that, hardcore Spice Girls. Ooh. And I think that like I was just, I could put my, it, I was hyper fixating on something, but it was so. Oh, I totally get it. Yeah. It was something that was socially acceptable because of pop culture. 
So I was like, okay, well, like, that's my special interest. It's pop culture. And I knew everything about everything. And like, it still comes out now. The other day we were talking at like this class and we're like, oh, what's the last class date? And somebody was like December 2nd. And I was like, December 2nd, 1981, that's Britney Spears' birthday. I don't know where that came from in my brain. Like, I have no clue. I was like, I can't find my keys that I was holding five seconds ago. Yet somehow I knew like pop culture information in my brain because yeah. all I did was like I'm gonna memorize everything and that's gonna prove that like but like random okay now that you're saying this like this like hyper fixation on events it does make it makes sense I'm not saying that everybody who is like a big Harry Potter fan has this but like I get how people can like like for me it was like in elementary school I knew every country on the globe for some reason because I was like this is very important to me that I learn this information and also I have a very weird thing where if you play like literally the first like five seconds of a song I'm gonna guess it almost any song I like test my gangster I can tell you we me and Monica have been playing this game where we send like a link back and forth and it's like you have to guess either the song in like a few seconds or the movie in a few seconds and like I'm, I'm killing it in this game there's like a whole show about this now have you they're like they just made like a remake of name that tune and it's i need to be on there jane krakowski and it's like celebrities but they're betting like i can name it in three i can name it in two like i'll take your bet i've seen a couple of clips and it actually is really funny like it it looks entertaining we should Um, do that we should do a show like that you have any hyperfixation as a kid like and this predates like the spice girls stuff so before you were old enough to like get into pop culture Greek mythology. <gasps> a personal attack. Because I was too. And I feel like that is like a kindred thing between us. Oh my God. And Javi obsessed. Right? Yeah. What is that? Like, wh- why? Why were we so into it? You know what? It, you know why I think maybe? Like, I think it. There's something about like that mythology that really helps personify like these concepts mm. that we don't quite get as kids. I have never heard anybody say that that was also their hyperfixation, and I'm just delighted. I I thought I recognized that in a kindred spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I I do think there's a similarity there, like a tie, like a, something that carried over to Harry Potter, where I loved like mm-hmm. very character driven yet plot intensive kind of YA story I could like see certain traits of characters that were so clearly spelled out because now we know that they are just like raging stereotypes of people but like you can you can start to identify and like layer people you know over characters or just archetypes of people that you've come into contact I get that I think that's like why it was so big for me I think now when I rewatch the movies my kids are like watching the first one over and over and I'm just like man like why did I like this so much it wasn't all all that I've heard that where people were like it's not very good but like but that's the thing like how many of our childhood movies have we watched and been like this movie is fucking insane yeah and we still love it but like it's funny because as as you're saying that I realize I love movies but like I I don't relate to them the same way as I do like books or music Mm-hmm. And so I think because it's not my preferred medium, like you didn't read the books either when you were a kid because I was way. I didn't because I. I mean, I was on like I was like not. I was I was older, but like when did the first Harry Potter book come out? Like, look now we've got to Google it. 
we have such a small age difference, but I think this is where it really plays into it because I was 12 when the first one came out. So oh. And I think when you're 16, you're too cool to read a middle school book. I really do think that probably plays into a little bit of it. I, I don't know why I felt like I was like 19 at the time, which is crazy. But like, yeah, I was 16. I promised Monica that I would get the books for the boys and that I would eventually watch a movie with them. So I probably will start that this winter when we are like freezing to death and refusing to go anywhere outside. I'm excited for you to be like, you just discovered this really amazing thing. It's called Harry Potter. <laughs> hey, have you guys read this story? I heard, I heard that the author is a fucking turf, but like everybody loved the movies and the books. Like, honestly, I know more about, like, J.K. Rowling being an absolute asshat than I do about, like, what happens in Harry Potter. And when when people are like, have you ever seen Harry Potter? And I'm like, no. They're like, oh, my God, you're a muggle. And I'm like, what the fuck is it? It is a fond memory of, like, being a teenager, you know, like, 15 and, like, reading the books. And I love that for me. Mm-hmm. I also don't want to taint it by going back and rereading them and seeing all the problematic shit that was like in there the first time around that I just didn't notice. I don't, I don't need to go back there. Well, let it live on as a happy memory. (laughs) (laughs) I have Greek mythology. Oh my gosh, the best. So maybe that, that's clearly where the, the hyperfixation like is like. Right. It needs a place to go. It needs somewhere to go. Yeah. I love it. What a weirdo. What little weirdo. Yeah. I was. I was a weird ass kid. I was a very weird kid. Sister, she used to talk shit about how weird I was all the time. And I was. And I was. I was weird, but like I was very creative. I was, I don't know, it was just in my head a lot and like very weird. And I would make up commercials for everything. I would make up a jingle for everything. Another I remember being like eight or maybe nine, being like, I'm gonna be Persephone for Halloween. Everybody like who? You're like, excuse me. <laughs> and I didn't end up wearing it because I was like, nobody knows who I am. Nobody appreciates the artistry that, like, you know. Nobody gets my vision. Okay. I get. I right here. Okay. I love that for us. One day, we will go in full costume to the Cheesecake Factory that already looks like a freaking heaven. It looks like where the Greek gods go to get their cheesecake on. I mean, could you imagine like Zeus just being like, I'd like the Southwestern egg rolls. Who wouldn't want the South? You'd be like, bring another brown bread, please. And tiramisu cheesecake as well. Well, we found a way to work Cheesecake Factory into this episode. You're welcome, everyone. Sponsored by the Cheesecake Factory. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, if an executive from the Cheesecake Factory doesn't fucking hear this, like we we don't even need money. Just send, like you could low key send us like a ten dollar gift card, and we'd be like, what? Like on that brown bread, and we'll call it even a loaf of brown bread. Thank you. Oh my God. Do you want to pull a card? I do. We're gonna pull for the Moonology deck. Uh, Paul um I so I low-key have been having um some sneaky anxiety probably around the um approach of eclipse season and um just all of the tension and things going on 
currently um, wow. out in the world today. Um, all of it disturbing. And um, hoping that everybody finds um, some pockets of peace amidst just the really um, disturbing ongoing conflicts. Some love from our guides. My preferred method is letting them fly out. And like, I think this is chaotic and my spirit guides know that I too am chaotic. And they're like, oh, the only way she'll get it is if it flies out and hits her face. Oh, interesting. Nothing will come of this situation. This is a void of course moon. For those of you who are not familiar with the moon cycles and like manifestation, one thing that I have always heard is that it's not to do ritual or anything like that during void of course moons. Because I think it's like when the moon backtracks or something like that. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Because I was like, what is a void of course moon? I had to look it up one day. In the form of astrology, where the uh, astrological chart is casting according to when the question is asked and decoded, a void of course moon means nothing will come of this matter or this situation will bear no fruit. This may or may not be good news depending on what you're asking. For example, if you're worried about something, <laughs> whatever it was, this card can be taken as a sign that there is nothing to worry about. However, if you're asking about a new project of any kind, including a new relationship, it's just a sign to adjust your expectations or change things so that you can get a different outcome. Remember, the cards can only predict what you are currently creating and you can change that with both your behavior and your beliefs. So some of the additional meanings for this card are that um, the chances of something are diminishing, something better might be around the corner, believing that you'll get what you need, surrendering to the divine, and for us to take time out and meditate and contemplate. And the attunement to use for this card is, I trust in my highest good. All right. I'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Very apropos. I like that a lot. But yeah, I wanted to pick that deck because um, we are going into eclipse season and um, part of, you know, part of eclipse season is like um, a lot of movement and unexpected changes and shifts and, you know, depending on, you know, what your personal astrology has, but also just like out in the world that, you know, many things that we are seeing kind of play out around the world too. And I felt like the moonology deck was appropriate. And I also want to acknowledge that, you know, unless like you're willfully ignoring like the news, there is just awful shit going on for anybody that is like struggling and dealing with all the things that we feel when things are so heavy like this. I just want to honor that because it's a lot and there are, I have no easy words for it. I have no easy words for it just a lot of love for all of the things that people are feeling. Yeah. It's not easy when there's so much complexity behind it. And I think at the root of most conflict, there is a lot of complexity and it's just not easy to come up with like, here's where, here's like, here's the answer. Here's the right thing to say. And I think that makes it even harder when you're just like, I want to say something. I want to be there for people. I want to hold space. Mm -hmm. The answer myself. And is it phony if I'm trying to like be available to people? Yeah. Yeah. I guess the answer there that I have been able to come up with is like, if you're acting out of love and you're just going to be there for somebody, it's never the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a stance to have compassion. 
Yes. And I mean, and honest, quite honestly, like we are in desperate need of, of more compassion for people because the, 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 the people are ultimately who are suffering while governments make decisions on uh, behalf of, of many few for, for many. And that's hard to contend with, but I just want to send a lot of love to everybody today who is really feeling like, like, like I am and like many are the weight of what is a massive humanitarian issue mm-hmm. so because we would be remiss if we didn't say something about that for sure be gentle with yourselves and be good to yourself as much as you can in a time like this yeah have more compassion for others and for yourself mm-hmm. and I think that's a good reminder that like we we can be wrestling with things that are happening out in the world and it doesn't negate the fact that little things in our life might feel challenging too. Like those can both be happening at the same time and show ourselves compassion at the same time that we show compassion for others. It certainly does like help put things in perspective. One thing I always find myself saying is like, it could always be worse. And it's true. It could be worse in many ways. And, you know, I say that to say like, for all the things that might be like annoying to me, or, you know, that anybody would struggle with. I'm grateful for this particular set of problems right now, as opposed to some others that I could have. I mean, I do love that old parable. That's like, if everybody put their problems into a pile, you'd snatch yours back so quickly when you see what the other options are. I also think sometimes we do negate our own feelings or try to talk ourselves out of things because we're like, well, it could be worse because yes, it could be worse. It could always be worse. Mm-hmm. but we don't have to deny that you know yeah dealing with the challenge yourself and and that could just be hard and I think you're allowed to feel those feels a little bit just feel it all people oh feelings so on that vein though like where did we find healing this week where did you find healing this week tell us about your weekend because I just want you to talk about it a little bit you know why so excited. I definitely found healing and teaching my first two yoga class. Oh, so exciting. So much fun. I uh, speaking of over-intellectualizing feelings. Okay. So I had read this thing like a really long time ago that your body physiologically can't tell the difference between excited and nervous that like what's happening is the same. It's our emotional state that we bring fear into it that colors how we read it and how we experience it. So of course I was like, let me go over to my Google scholar and start pulling up some studies about this. Cause I was feeling very nervous going into, um, my first classes that were scheduled. And yeah, I just totally talked myself out and like, wouldn't let myself acknowledge that I was a little nervous. I was just like, Oh no, I guess lit myself into being like, she is excited. She's so excited. And I was really excited. Like by the time I got there, I was like, all right, well, like we're excited now. My first class had 14 people, oh my gosh. a good size. It was really good. It wasn't too, too intimate where I'm like, oh my God, I'm looking at three people in the face. I'm like, I don't know. I just like, I clicked into it. It was really fun. I had a great playlist. I had like, I know it was a banger to like lo-fi and like instrumental so you couldn't really tell but I had like um a little bit of Lizzo in there for sun salutations like are we feeling good as hell we are feeling good as hell lots of Taylor Swift obviously 
Mm -hmm. I had, um, like the Dua Lipa Barbie song. (laughs) Cute. Cute. Like good music. I was like, this is carrying me through. And it was just really good. I got really good feedback. It's really funny because in both classes, I had this moment where I was like, does everyone in here hate me? Everyone here hates me. <laughs> no, it's because there's like rest. Oh, that bitch just shut up. <laughs> like even right now, people are like very clearly like into this class. And I'm like, oh, what if they all hate me? And then I'm like, well, what if? Like fucking what if? I'm st- And the response, I guarantee you, I'm just going to guess that when you did your final, like, you know, pose or shavasana or whatever and end of the class, people were probably like, oh my God, this was amazing. I got very kind reactions. So that was Thursday night, Friday night. It was Friday night. Um, and prior to that, my teacher had asked, we have new, the new yoga teacher training classes starting on Saturday. And the whole new group of students is going to be there starting their journey to being yoga teachers. Will you come in and teach your class to them so they can see what like they will be doing in five months? And I was like, so honored. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. And then of course, like an hour later, I was like, well, obviously she had already asked every other person and they all said no, or like, I'm not that good. So that's why she wanted to me so they could see somebody who's like not that good and I'm like why do I have such a little tiny hater in my head mm-hmm. you gotta like flick her like she's a little butt like get the fuck brat. um but even still so then I went and did that on Saturday and it was so fun it was I really exciting. and also my teacher had gotten feedback from the students who were in my class the night before and she was like I've been getting text messages all night and all morning about how much people of your class and I was oh, like oh how did that make you feel? A huge ego boost. I was oh, just okay. Awesome. In the best way. Like, and it's the culmination of all of these efforts, all of this studying, all of this dedication, you know? It, I like, I really tried to take it truly like in the Barbie movie, like when they win an award and they're like, thank you. I deserve this because I worked really hard. Like that's yeah. how I take that to be like, thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah. Yes. Yes. I love that because I feel like women, especially we always are downplaying um, the things that we do accomplish. And like I said, it's a massive thing for you to dedicate your time and your energy to this outside of everything else that you already have going on on a daily basis. And so for someone to be like, Hey, you fucking killed that and not be like, Oh, it's nothing. Like, it's not nothing. It's a huge deal. Like, because it shows that you have applied like everything that you're learning and You'll continue to do so. So that's amazing. Thank you. It was I'm so proud of you. Thing. I was like, when I stand at the front of the room, I feel like a powerful witch. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm literally shaping energy. Yes, you are. Power. That's like a power. And you could use that in a very bad way, I'm sure. But I was just like, oh my God. Like I like literally with the words that I am using, I'm creating an and a vibe in here that is that will ripple out like from you to the students to other areas in their lives you know the fact that I could just like stand there and be like I want you to honor your body right now mm-hmm. and like that's what we're gonna do that's what this moment calls for is like honoring our bodies right where they are not where they were 10 years ago not where we hope they'll be in three months not where they were yesterday like 
we're going to honor right now. What do you feel like doing? You want to go into child's pose for 75 minutes? Love that for you. Mm-hmm. Is that what you need? Like, yeah. Yeah. As long you as you're asking your body, like, Hey body, what do you need? Yes. It's huge. It's huge. Which, where did you find healing this week? I have a feeling I know where it might be. <laughs> well, I was so inspired. Um, by just the awesome way you have embraced this this learning journey and I have been very dead-ended in my physical activity so I picked it up again and that's a huge deal because I just stopped like I got laryngitis a few uh weeks back um like like about two months back and I haven't worked out in like two months um and I hate that and every day I'm like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it and I like was like, okay, I need to create like a new plan and I need to like map it out on the calendar. To... And I'm like, no, you were successful last time just by taking it day by day. And without even, without being like, this is what I'm going to do. This is the Peloton ride I'm going to have and like, the, you know, whatever. No, every day, just do what you can. Mm-hmm. And I decided to pick that back up. So I got back on my Peloton and I did a ride. Yesterday was a, um, just stretching for me. I have my new set of strength workouts, um, for my awesome trainer, Laura Ash, and I'm going to start that today. And I'm just glad that I did it. And I, and I didn't fall off the bike. So, and I, and I needed it because, you know, so many things get stuck in the body. And, um, because I've been a little bit more anxious than usual recently, when I get anxious, I get angry. I needed a, a place to, to like get that energy out. I'm really proud of myself for returning. And I'm just excited that, you know, I just said, okay, Crystal, like, what do you need? You need to move your body around. You know, you need to stretch. You need to do some yoga. And, you know, the stretch and the yoga yesterday was amazing. I needed that so bad. Yeah. I was very inspired by your yoga work and I was like, okay, let me just get my butt up and, and get to it. Even if it's just 15, 20 minutes. Say it again, remove the chest. Even 15, 20 minutes. Absolutely. What a gift that you gave yourself 15 minutes. I, it was a huge gift. Yeah. Much needed. Felt very good. And just like a very easy way to do something good for myself. When, there's, when there are tons of things that we feel like we can't control, this was one thing I could. So. Yeah, it was a positive outcome for sure. Yeah, I'm really proud of you. It is uh, really easy to overcomplicate and like be like, I need to have a plan and make a calendar and know mm-hmm. what I'm on every given day. And like, maybe for some people that helps. But for me, it gets me very much into like that all or nothing black mm-hmm. and white thinking that it's like, well, I missed yesterday's plan on the agenda. So like, what am I even supposed to do today? Should I make that up? And it's just like, no, like you're making it more complicated than it needs to be. Like, yeah, I was going to ride today. And like, actually what I need to do is just like a little bit of this, something else entirely. Let's just honor yeah. where we're on any given day. And yeah, Elle Woods said it best that endorphins make you happy and happy people just don't murder their husbands. Um, I'll be grateful. Those yeah. of you who were not murdered. Yeah. I... <laughs> By your wives. Um, yeah, seriously. It did help. 
it, I, I could, I felt like I was in, and I did it kind of like at the start of my day. And so it just felt like it was a um, really good kick of good energy to kind of carry out through the rest of the day for me. Do you have like a natural time of day that your body wants to work out most or like maybe your brain gets into it? Mid-morning. I like mid-morning for sure because I'm, I'm up so early anyway. Um, like I, I will probably um, work out now after we record, but um, I would prefer to do it in the morning, but it's also like when that's the most shit popping, that's when like, yeah, it's, I, like, I'm not like morning as in like 6am, 7am, but like more like nine, nine, nine thirty, ten o'clock. It's like a sweet spot work. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. When I'm supposed to be like doing a job. Yeah. So. I like, uh, at like three o'clock, my body is like, go get a workout. And I'm just like, I gotta go to the bus stop. Like I have children. Yeah. Yeah. Like, thanks for nothing. And then all the rest of the day, it's like, I don't really want to do anything. I don't know. What about you? You want to do anything? No, I don't want to so do it. hard. Especially right now, like the sun is setting. Yeah. I'm like, Ugh. also the sun is fucking setting. They are getting short. Kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, like I have mixed emotions about it. I, I don't mind it so much, but then like, I wish I could just pause it right now and like stretch yeah. this time out a little bit. Yes, yeah. that's it. I don't, I am not being cold. I'm over it already. It hasn't even started. I'm like thinking about like, how, like great. It's hat, glove, scarf season and how like that stresses me out because it's so much shit to remember and I hate being cold. I don't want to be ashy. So I have to extra like use lots of extra lotion and like my skin gets all like, mm, and I just feel like, like, I feel like already, like my mood is that of the little brother in a Christmas story, like wrapped in that, like ridiculous snowsuit, you know, like that's how I feel on any cold day because I am hormonal and my temperature is always fluctuating. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to bundle myself up, but like, also like I need to have layers so I can peel them off because I'm going to get hot and I'm going to start sweating. It's like a logistical nightmare for someone that is like perimenopausal. <laughs> Yeah, I also am already dreading how many pairs of gloves my kids are going to lose this year. Like, I already know. And I'm just like, you're going to leave your jacket last year. Yeah. Who left their brand new North Face at school the very last day before winter vacation that we had two weeks off? And I'm like, so you're just not going to have a winter coat for Christmas? Like, is that what you're telling me? And I'm like, do I be mean mom and be like, I'm not like you're, I'm going to let you freeze. Like I ran him up to school to get it. Of course it wasn't there. Like, of course the school had already locked up and I was just, so I made Jimmy take him to old Navy and buy him like a clearance park, like a clearance coat. It was $17. And I was Amen. like, and I was like, good. And he's like, I don't really like it that much. And I was like, I don't care if you like it very much. Then he like backtrack that real fast. He's like, actually, I do really like it. I think it's really it's great. Functional, and you gonna wear it? <laughs> He's like, I think I'd, I think I like it even better than my other coat. And I'm like, you, you shut up because that was just like a hundred and twenty dollar North Face that I just bought you that you begged for. Promised you were gonna take such good care of it. We labeled it with his name, and then like you're like in the in the coldest area. I'm ever. like in New England. Like, come on, man. 
but yeah, terrible. Like, terrible. Playing out. And I'm just like, who's not going to fit into their jackets from last year? Who's going to need a brand new one? Who's not going to want hand-me-downs? How many pairs of gloves are you going to go through? And literally, and I'm just going to go on Amazon and buy like as many random pairs of gloves as I can, because it's inevitable. And I go to Walmart and I buy like 30 pairs and I like donate a bunch to the shelter. Like I'll awesome. do all that because like they're a dollar 50 or a dollar 97 because prices have gone up. But at Walmart, it's like, all right, I'll just like drop a $50 bill. However many pairs of gloves I'm getting with that because my kids think that they're disposable. There's like no socks, like the socks are disposable also in our house. Like every time I clean behind any corner, there's like some socks laying there and they're Enzo's. My number one mom hack. I have um, for eight years, nine years, whatever it's been. I don't even know anymore. Whatever. Number one mom hack. And the thing that I think I revolutionized motherhood, I got rid of all their socks, got rid of all of them. And then bought new? Bought new, except I bought the same, like a 10 pack of the same socks. Like Dominic got all white and I bought him two 10 packs of it. Nate got all black and I got him two 10 packs. So now they have 40 of the same socks. So you don't have to match them at all. They're just like exactly the same. They have their own idea. And where I keep the socks is not in their bedroom. I keep it next to the shoe bin by the front door because I realized I was setting the kids up to go put their socks on before school. They would get distracted. It was a in your room. Oh my God. Now, and I'm like, I don't want them walking through the house with shoes on anyway. So they just take their shoes off at the door and they have their socks right there before they walk out the door. I'm like, I have changed the game but also this is a thing that like I had the idea for this six months before I actually did it because I had to like talk to my therapist and be like this feels like it's cheating it's too easy this is not what a good mother would do girl stupid and now I'm like I don't care if there's this- no other way of life now I might steal this idea and I'm thinking like okay I will get like some white crew necks and then some white ankle and like some black crew necks and some black ankle and then like, or like if I could even find Hanes that have like the tip of the toe is a different color because like, I will share the link of what I got. They're like a mid, like above the ankle. So they're not like super high, but they're also not super short. They're like right in the middle. Cause I was like, I don't want to match socks because that yeah. is like, I can do laun. I'll do laundry. No problem. Folding it, putting it away is like where my executive function is like, oh. <laughs> I don't have the plans for that. I'm sorry. I have no clue about that. So if I'm just like all the socks live here and they're all the same and it doesn't matter what height they are, it doesn't matter. And I know some people are like, why does it even matter if they're wearing matching socks? Like I I, I get that. And I'm, I love if that works for you the way I cannot and like the way my kids wouldn't. It, it just, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Keep the same socks, keeping them by the door. They don't even go upstairs. It has simplified everything in my life. And I will happily share the links to the socks that I've purchased. They're not great. They got holes in them real fast. But also when one gets a hole in it, you know what I do? I throw it out because it doesn't matter because the whole pair is fine. Speaking of the sock monster. <gasps> Where's my little buddy? Oh my goodness. Hi, cutie. Oh, how is school today? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do today? Hmm? What was your favorite part? 
Doing math. Doing math? Doing it. I love that for you. All right, bye. Leave that cat alone, please. We had a really fun interview this week. Yes, we did. And so it's interesting. So when we started this amazing pod, um, we wanted to showcase just all of the ways that we are trying to find healing in our life formal, informal, conventional, completely off the rocker and everything in between. What I like is that like we're tapping into the people that we already know. We already have such a wonderful community um, and, and group of friends and whatnot. When we put out like a, hey, what is your experience with this? Anybody, anybody, we get like the coolest people. I'm really, really excited because Stephanie Carey is our guest today and she is going to talk about how amazing and influential and life-changing the journey of ayahuasca has been for her in her healing. And she is, first of all, super effing cute. I'm really biased because Stephanie and I have the same birthday. And so I'm like, oh, Cancer Bay, right? But also I just know her to be like the warmest, sweetest, and just has a wonderful, wonderful energy. And I can just tell she is just a vibe. And I think you all will think that as well. Stephanie is a beautiful wife and mama here in the DMV area. And she also runs this amazing foundation, the Etta Lloyd Walker Foundation. And she's also a holistic wellness practitioner. She's working on getting all of that up and running. And I'm really excited to see what she does for it. But I think we can absolutely dive into our interview and let her tell you a little bit about herself and what prompted her to go on this ayahuasca journey, how she prepared for it, and what things have been like for her since then. Ooh, let's get started. We are so excited because we have our first guest on the podcast. And the, the really cool thing about this guest is that she is literally like many, many of us, but also set apart from all of us and that she's beautiful and unique, but having the same experiences that we are. And so we can't wait to talk to her about what that experience is. And she is Stephanie Carey. Hey, Stephanie, we're so happy that you're here with us. I am too. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share my story, my journey. So let's do it. So Stephanie, we know that you wear many hats in your life. You're a wife, you're a mother, you are involved in so many different kinds of work. You have a foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what's important to you, the type of work you like to do? Oh, yeah, completely. <laughs> so you, you've already said a few of the things that I, you know, I am. Um, in addition to that, I'm a life path number nine. So um automatically I'm a philanthropist and for a very long time I just could not get my head around why I love doing you know um, charity work so much it always fulfilled me I always felt so good whenever I give back to a community or just help somebody until I realized I was a life path number nine and then <laughs> I was like well you know what this is this is why, you know, this is so fulfilling to me. Mm -hmm. um, and growing up, I was always, you know, considered <laughs> like the big sister. And for some reason, I, I 
looked older than my age and probably acted a little older than my age during that thing, you know? So people my age would look up to me and they would ask for assistance. And um, I, I didn't mind giving it as and my mother as well, you know, she would always be there to back me, you know, with assistance and stuff. So it was easy because she also grew up in a household where um, Etta Lloyd Walker, whom I named the organization after, who was her aunt, um, was a nurse and she was like the mother in the community giving back to everybody and just being a healer in her community as well. So she was already, you know, in that read that way brought up that way so it was kind of natural too and she would always help me and you know it, I have a couple of kids in the community who are named after me oh I'm such a oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah so my friends and I we we found we 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 came together and we came up with a name called circle of friends <laughs> we, call ourselves, we were an unofficial foundation or organization and we would just go to different communities and give out, you know, a, a assistance of whatever kind. And as time went by, I was like, you know what? I'm so passionate about this. I want to be able to do more, but I can't continue doing it out of my own pocket. <laughs> it has to, it has to be, you know, with the help of others, you know. So I, I that's how ELW Foundation was, you know, was born. But when I was having this these ideas about what I want and the qualities of the organization, I wanted the name to also speak to the organization. And the only person that I could think of was my grand aunt who raised my mother, um, who was such a powerful force in her community. Um, mm -hmm. she, she recently transitioned August 20th, rest her soul. But she just, the entire, the entire organization is totally who she embodies. So that was born and I am very passionate about that work. Um, I'm also a holistic um, practitioner. <laughs> um, I I went, you know, Queen. I, you guys are familiar with Queen of Four? I am, yes, I am for sure. Vienna yeah. might, might not <laughs> be. <laughs> the Queen of Four, she is such a goddess and she is a wellness um, practitioner as well, holistic wellness pr practitioner. And she heals women and she, he, she is just a, an all around healer. So I went through her 12 weeks rise of passage. And in this program, you are thought, I mean, taught how to heal yourself and your family, you know, through the food you eat, through the, the rituals that you practice, um, the, the, medicine that you you make for yourself you know different recipes and just your different your daily scheduling and you know just how you carry yourself and I came out of that program being a you know brand new person but prior going to attending Queen of Fools class I always knew that you know there was something more out there for me and it just, it was, I, it always felt like I was reaching, but I didn't know what I was reaching for um, and how and when I was going to get there. So for a long time, it was a little confusing, you know. Yeah. You knew it was coming. There's always this, um, I remember having a similar feeling. I always said, I feel like I was like that moment when you're kind of like on the edge of a cliff or something like that. And you're kind of like going like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I was like, I feel like I've been suspended like that for years. So it's like, you know, it's coming. You don't know what, 
It doesn't feel like it's a little scary, but not in the, not in like a terrifying way. It's just like a very like, wow, this is an unknown thing. I'm on the edge of something. I just can't figure out what it is. Totally. That's exactly yeah. what it was. You know, so going through that program just helped broaden my mindset. And it was just, a, there was a lot of wow moments mm-hmm. for me. And my perspective and the clarity that I received and so many downloads when I was going through the program because we were required to have a special diet and that diet consisted of only plants. So basically during that entire 12 weeks, you're required to be just on an alkaline diet and that's it. Um, And it was, it was hard at first because, you know, I wanted to eat my chicken. Normally I wouldn't eat, I don't eat pork and red. Going through that, you know, the, the diet was, it was really good, healthy diet. And I learned so much about my body. I learned so much about my feelings. I learned so much about seeing things from a different perspective and recognizing the healer in me, emphasizing things that I have felt for so many years and just having kind of like being equipped with, you know, the, the tools that you need to mm-hmm you know, step into that role. That's how it felt. When I went through the program, during that time, I met um, a friend of mine who, you know, also she's very spiritual as well. Um, She's a a, a medicine maker as well. And she's like, you know, I'm thinking about doing an ayahuasca ceremony. And I was like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) So she said, you don't know the ayahuasca, but you know, the name was so familiar, but mm. I put my hand on it. When I started researching it, I was like, oh, this is what, you know, I've heard so many people talk about, but I never really paid any attention to it. And then as I researched it, everybody had the same climax, just different experiences and of how, you know, they reached that climax. And they all came out of there different and brand new and amazing feeling so wonderful about themselves and I was like you know I never thought about doing this before and majority of the you know the stories I heard they were like you don't go seeking the medicine the medicine actually seeks you and it finds you during a time where it knows that you need it during that time I'm not gonna lie there was a lot of lost feeling within myself there was a lot of confusion on happiness. And it was just, it was, it was almost a point where I had accepted this is what my reality is. So I was just trying to maneuver through that. It was like at any moment there was an explosion and then a calmness would happen, then an explosion and a calmness. And I became my own therapy, therapist rather. I learned how to heal myself mentally, physically, how to treat myself through certain things and then going through Queen of, Queen of Fools program really gave me the knowledge to that I needed to add on to that. So I felt like, okay, great. But there were trigger, there were triggers in my adult years that, you know, I was experiencing due to the things that I went through during my childhood years. I didn't know what that was. I just felt like they were normal. I didn't realize they were traumas. Do you feel like this would have called to you at all had you not 
had some of the preparation that obviously your your spirit felt like it was needing. Do you think that this medicine would have ever presented itself if you had not gone through this program and felt that deep, almost like a little bit of like a yearning, you know, like you're, it's like, because it sounds like the program, I mean, it sounds so transformative and I've, I've heard that from other people I've heard talk about that program with her and I have her book and I'm like oh my god it's very intense right like I haven't done it because I'm like oof, I really got to commit so that's such a commitment and so obviously you come out of this like very very changed it's almost like yes this was a very hard thing so maybe now there's this other hard thing that's that like hey now that you've had the preparation to look at this now we can introduce this other layer Like, do you think that that would have ever called to you in any kind of way had you not been able to sit with yourself in the weeks in those programs? No, no, I I highly doubt that because I would have been confused. I wouldn't have known what that was. Mm. It was, it's, it's the type of medicine that you have to prepare for, to be honest, thing that you can just go through. You, it's going to be a waste of time and it's going to be a waste. It's going to be a waste of everybody who participated time for real, because you you don't know what the purpose of the medicine is. You don't know what's, what it's going to do for you. And besides that, it's such a sacred plant that you have to honor and respect the knowledge that it's about to feed you. Your body has to be prepared. You have to be on a different frequency and which is a high frequency because you have to be able to communicate with the medicine and you have to be able to listen to what it has to say to you. And if you're crowded, I mean clouded with a lot of toxic thoughts and bad eating habits and bad morals and you know just stuck in such a dark place it's not going to work for you it brings you to the final solution that's that's how i see it you know if it finally like shows you what you need to do to get to where you need to be i think that first piece that you were speaking about when you first started that 12 week program i've heard that yearning and missing something from so many women and I think so many of us especially in like a western culture are moving through the day feeling like there's something missing but never taking the moment to examine what that might be probably is that spiritual piece of it that being in and of something bigger than ourselves mm-hmm. that's been totally stripped from the current U.S. life yeah. so then by the time you're able to say no there's something missing I need to I need to find it and going through that program, those initial steps towards healing really do open your eyes to how much more there is in the world. And I love that you were able to take a really well mapped path over those 12 weeks to come into this. I have a, a yoga teacher who says nobody shows up on the first day of their healing process because things are going so well. Like, <laughs> Gosh, I'm so happy and everything is wonderful. Oh my God, it's a mess. <laughs> I think you start the, I feel like you really start the spiritual path when you're like, everything is so messy and shitty right now. What mm-hmm. else do I have to lose? Like you, you kind of like surrender to where you're at. Like, well, look, you're, you're, it's like that little meme where everything's on fire and you're like, this is fine. And so it's like, well, what else? Throw some more stuff on the fire. Yes. Oh my God. There were so many days of tears and, just want to be a slob. And <laughs> but there were days that I needed to, to go through what I went through. And I just, I just learned so much of the power of food 
you know, how much it, it, the things it does for the body, the power of flower essences, and how much it helped me prepared for the ayahuasca ceremony. If I hadn't eaten so clean during that time, I wouldn't have been able to really hear fully the message that, you know, Mother Ayahuasca had for me. And when I went for that ceremony, oof, <laughs> you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared. And going for the ceremony, it's important to know who your, you know, who your your person is, who you're going to be participating with, who the shaman is. Kind of like a review. You have to know who's, you know, who has worked with him before. Because people who aren't real shamans, they're just and also in like Southern America, they sell the um ayahuasca on the street like it's some kind of juice. So people just, yeah, take it in. Some people just use it to get high and whatever it is. This place I went in Ecuador, it's like two hours away from the city. It's not quite the rainforest, but it's in the woods. There's not even a signal signal there. They do have Wi-Fi, but you know, they do they cut the Wi-Fi off at a certain time. They they put it on so you're able to communicate with your family, you know, to tell people you're okay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But they cut the Wi-Fi off. <laughs> so you're completely out there in nature. Even the food that they're feeding you is all high vibrational food. And it's a small, you know, community of people who are so humble. I come from a from a place where it's it's a third world world country, but my family were, you know, we were able to afford, you know, a decent lifestyle. Going around people who, you know, have to, to take a shower outside. They're just very humble people. It was, it was so amazing. It immediately started to make me feel like I belong here. Prior to going there, I set my intentions. And my intentions were, I want... To come out of this knowing my worth again, I want to be able to laugh genuinely again, be happy. And you know, when 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 I'm asked who is you know Stephanie Carey, I want to be able to explain and talk about who I am and not be confused of who who am I. And when I made that intention, the most random trigger points started to occur things from my childhood with my mom. Like I'll be on the phone with my mom and she will say something that just triggers me in a, and automatically piss me off or, you know, and I want to get off the phone with her. And then one day I sat down like a week closer to the trip and I was like, why is this, why are these feelings coming up? You know, these were things that I, in my mind, I was done with them. But trust me, these were also things that still annoyed me in my adult years and was still bothering me over and over. And she still had these little things about her in ways that she still knew how to get under my skin. I was like, but why is it like pressing on me so much? Like I'm confused why it's pressing on me so much during this time. And also with my husband during that time, I was also like giving him an ultimatum. We were also having like a little, you know, rough patch where both of these people who are very important people in my life, I have reached a limit with them. Mm -hmm. So I went for the ceremony and boy, oh boy, the first night <laughs> I was purging from everywhere. 
cup and bottle. Like it was a mess, but I totally forgot that I had to surrender to the medicine. And that's the only way you're able to get your vision or take your trips or, you know, whatever experiences that you're supposed to have. When you're like preparing, when you're there and you're like, say you're in, I'm imagining that this is like a tented area. So when you're there and you're getting ready to prepare in that moment, or you're getting ready to take the medicine in that moment where you're like, yeah, I'm totally ready for this. Like whatever may come. Like, did you think that you had already surrendered as much as possible? And then it was like, Hey, let me humble you real quick. (laughs) Or was it like, uh, like, yeah, like I'm, I'm ready. Like bring it kind of feel. It's kind of a mixture of, I'm just either going to let this go or I'm just going to be in my head. And what surrendering is, it, it's also called the ego death, mm-hmm. meaning that you have to be, you have to not be afraid of what's going to happen when you take the medicine. Some people, nobody's going to lie to you and tell you it's such a beautiful taste. Oh my God. When you taste it, you just want to continue drinking. No, it's bitter. <laughs> it's <very> bitter. <laughs> so when you taste it, you have to be the just do that and when when it when it happens you get into that trance where it's a feeling your body has never experienced before so automatically you're like what is happening to me oh my god oh my god you start freaking out and if you're freaking out you're not relaxed you're not in a place of meditation you're not in a place of focus because you're so worried about what's going to happen to me and nothing's going to happen to you. You're just high off the meds and it's working because what it does, it opens your pineal gland. And that's how you're able to like activate your third eye and you're able to see beyond the physical eye and you're able to download the information and all those things that you've been storing in the back of your head for so long. <laughs> it's, it's insanity. And, and, and I just want to like stop on the whole, like, w- like what it means to see, <laughs> to see in a way that is not with your eyes is the most bizarre experience. The first time yeah. it happens to you, because it's like, you don't know how to describe it. Yeah. You see something, but you're like, but it's not in my eyes. Like, yeah. and, and I don't know how else to, to say it, but like, yeah. how can you, <laughs> how can you explain to somebody like coming out of an experience like that? What I see is this, but like, you're not seeing it. I, there are, I feel like there's no words available in any language to describe what that feeling is. And maybe that's where people like that, like sense of like, oh my God, I'm not in control of this situation happens because all of a sudden you're experiencing something that there is no, there's no language to describe what sense that is. I feel like for some folks, it can really throw you into like a tailspin. What you're saying is surrender to that instead of being like, oh shit, what is this? Exactly. Just be like, I don't know what this is and I'm going to keep going. What I used to do, my friend and I, what we would do when when we're, when we were about to receive the, the tea, before we drink, we always say, I trust you and I love you. Beautiful. Yeah, so I trust that you're going to lead me to where I need to go. And I want you to know that I love you because you're giving me the same love, you know? So you're embracing it. You take the medicine and you just lie down. So because the feeling is so, it's it's individual, 
people don't know what to expect. They know that it's going to be rough, but they don't know what is in rough meaning that you're going to, you're going to cry. It's going to bring up a lot of emotions. If you surrender, it's going to bring up those emotions that you need to feel. Some people will just, some people will perch all night. <laughs> you know, some people will perch top and bottom all night. Some people will surrender and they will just go into their dreams or go and they, they will be wide awake and they're able to take their trips and they can see those things with their third eyes and they will have their, the, sham, the shaman there or an observer to interpret, you know, what you saw during that time of your trip or whatever. It's such an individualized experience that people just, will I ever come back? So you have to be able to, you know, kill that ego mm -hmm. and just tell yourself, you know what, I'm going here to heal. So all the tension, all the stress, I need to relax before I can truly go in there and experience it. I think when people hear about an ayahuasca journey, it might sound Oh my gosh, that sounds so extreme. It tastes really bad. You're purging, you're crying. Yet, how many basements have people been in where they're drinking at a frat party, something that tastes terrible, right? Like these like frat boy concoctions do not taste good. There's always going to be a girl crying. Somebody's going to be throwing up all night. And to what end, right? Like you're not getting healing from that. You're using that substance to shut down feeling and to shut down awareness accept that as like, well, that's just part of being young, right? Like, that's just how you live your life. Yet when we're looking at something that is medicine and healing, we're like, oh my gosh, that's so extreme. How could you ever do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and you don't know what's going to happen. And that's the, in, in either case, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what things are like when you're falling down somebody's stairs in a frat house basement. Exactly. And, and, and with this purge, it's 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 a physical purge and it's also a, a spiritual purge because when I tell you things came out of my body like I had been holding on to it for years mm. for man it was so amazing I had never purged like that before in my life I was fresh off the program I had been eating leaves all <laughs> <laughs> you know and you know it wasn't like I had been eating so much food and I needed to like go to the bathroom and vomit and purge from the bottom or whatever but when it happened and it happened that one night because you have like three ceremonies but oh, it gosh. happened the first night and that medicine worked me. I was a mess. I cried. I mean, the emotions that I was experiencing with my mother before I left came to the full front. And it was like, well, these feelings are here. They're here because you did not address them. And this is the time to address them. That's the only way you are going to pass through and get to the next place you need to get to because you have not addressed these feelings that's why you feel so stuck what does these feelings have anything to do with me feeling lost and it was so confusing when i talked to the shaman the next morning he was interpreting it to me he was like it's because you and before i say that every time i did a card reading mm -hmm. i spoke with an integrator they would always tell me, you have to put yourself first. You have to put yourself first. 
like, what does that mean? Like, I, I feel like I put myself first so much to the point where my husband calls me selfish. So, because I'm only seeing it from like a, you know, from the, the, the smaller, you know, point of view. Um, but what does that mean? So when he kept saying that you have to put yourself first, it was still kind of confusing to me. Like, what what is he trying to say? And then he told me, he said, you have to set boundaries with your mom and with your husband, because these are the two places where you are stuck. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you have to determine what those boundaries are going to be. You had the feelings last night. So you know what you need to do. And immediately, everything that I felt like I needed to move forward, it was like it just started dropping, dropping down. That's, <laughs> that's how it felt like. And it was like, you felt like your mom was X, Y, and Z during this time. She made you feel this way. You feel like even now during your childhood, it has crossed over that had given, it gives her the audacity to think that she can still do certain things and say certain things. You need to check that. Da, 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 da. Same with, you know, your husband. Da, da, da. When I came back, I didn't come back with the attitude of, oh, you know, I need for us to talk. I came back with, well, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you you were like I'm gonna go on a quick tangent because I I am seeing some parallels okay um and some of so full disclosure Stephanie and I have the same birthday we're both cancers we both have that like big time mom energy and and so I feel that very very heavy cancer is the mother of the zodiac our the family aspect is extremely important and our relationships to our moms are very important I have a feeling we have moms that are very similar <laughs> in that regard. And so it's like, you're, I, I completely relate to this thing of like, I feel like I'm selfish. I feel like I do what I, what I want. And we interpret it as like, I do what I want, but like, it's not that it's like, are you doing what you want? Because like, are you acting, you know, this way because you um, don't want to tell people no, or you don't want to disappoint them because you feel like you have people that you're obligated to, that you're taking care of all of the things right is that really selfish if what we are doing is not living our fullest self because we are putting the comfort of other people before our own and we are purposely maybe avoiding some of our stuff because we are engrossed in, in the love and the care of other people like do you think that he meant selfish in the way that like the level of love and attention and time that you give to other people you, Stephanie, really need that for you too. He's not saying don't give those people that love and that care, but hey, you first. Yes, definitely that. It was just like, wow, really? And then it was also a mixture of what I really wanted as a person mm -hmm. for myself, for my life as an individual, rather than what was the right thing to do because this is what will happen if you do this i feel like we need to just run that back real quick can you just <laughs> can you just repeat that last part and put and put that exclamation all over it because i feel like we need to hear that again 
yes, you know, just what you want, what, what I wanted to do as an individual, what, what, you know, what mattered to me, what I wanted to do rather than what felt right to be done, the right thing to do, mm-hmm. because put you in a certain place if you did that thing. I lived that way. I, I realized I lived that way majority of my adult life. Isn't that something? Yes. Yeah. And so because of that, I love who I was. Did you even know what it was that you wanted? No. Yes. Yes. I always knew that. Well, so I would normally joke around when I was younger and be like, I don't want nobody who we got to build nothing together. <laughs> <laughs> I want it built and I want I want to move in. <laughs> I was hoping you were gonna say that. I was hoping you were gonna say that. <laughs> That's all I want. So you build it. <laughs> but like and not like from a like but you have your own built. You know what I mean? Like yes. I have my building. You have your building. Like Exactly. So my thing was I wanted to feel supported in personal projects that I wanted to do. Yeah, you know, we all got to do the nine to five and whatever it was. But personal things that I wanted for myself, example, my organization, that means so much to me. I, I and I know it may sound crazy, but I, I'm a free, per, I'm a free will person. You know, I love outdoors. I, I do weird stuff. I do a lot of weird stuff. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the kind of people we love. So you know, that's the that's the best way I can describe it. You know, I, I'm not able to point out the specific things, but I do weird stuff. You know, I want to be free to step into those weird things without judgment and out being side eyed and without you as my you know support system. You know, not backing me up, but rather like bringing me down about it and making me feel like I have to tiptoe around you because it's not proper to have tattoos all over my body or because I want to put piercings on or, oh, you have to be a mom. I mean, you you have to dress like this. because Just FYI, Julie and I were just talking about this yesterday. So Stephanie, I know you through my high school bestie, still like the, the love of my life, Julie. Okay. You're talking about agency yesterday. It's your agency, your autonomy. Like you want, you still want to be seen as the individual that you are. And there is this thing that happens in motherhood. And I know we all three can relate to this where you stop being a a person all apart from your family or apart from your child. And what we, I feel like kind of drives us a little up the wall is the lack of agency, the lack of being seen as a person separate from our family or our um community and we want to be seen as who we are as a as a person within that group not as just this globular part of of everything else we want to be seen individually for who we are mm-hmm. as people as women yeah and that's what i was missing for a long long time but i'm so grateful when i had the conversation with the both of them my mother she was so apologetic she said, I did not know you were living like this for so long. And I told her, unfortunately, there is going to be boundaries. And this was something I didn't do, which was causing me to have such an aggression towards her because she didn't know what she was doing. And I was 
just encouraging it and went until I explode and she'd be like, why are you exploding? And I told her like, there ha- there's going to be boundaries now. You can't do certain things because it's going to put me in a place that is not healthy for us. I have trigger points that I, I, I realize that I still, I don't know if I'm going to completely heal from there, from, you know, because they're within my memory, but I do forgive you. And obviously I love you, but just don't do certain things that's going to remind me of those things because then I'm going to get, you know, probably become mean and I don't want to be mean. It takes you out of alignment. It's like you, you're it, it's like the whole point of healing is maybe not to like extract the, the singular events that cause us to kind of come into this place, but so that we can manage the triggers. And that's the beautiful part of boundaries that we yeah. can establish them for that very reason. And my husband was also totally supportive and, he was also apologetic and definitely worked, you know, and is still working towards, you know, just being better for not just me, but he himself as an individual. Because, you know, on learning a certain personality trait is hard <laughs> because it's, it's a brand new thing that you have to now adopt and make a part of you. Really seeing his effort has even inspired me more to do all my healing work and just continue to show up for us and his support and all of that. That ayahuasca ceremony, I personally feel like I fit, I mean, I experienced her in my dreams for real. Where, Crystal, and I think I explained that to you um, when I finally calmed down from all the, oh my God, what is happening? And the, the shaman had to remind me it was like you have to relax girl because we had this conversation now we we talked for almost four months before you came here we were consistently talking and you know that you have to surrender I don't know why I forgot about the surrendering part but I just forgot about it and when he brought it up I was like oh yes I do have to surrender because it's like I keep like thinking this vision of like um like a cat, like my cat, like just digs her claws in and just like flail. And I'm like, if you would relax and stop digging your claws into me, I can remove you and like put you back down. But like, it's like you're, you're flailing around kind of like grass. I feel like it's like almost like you're free falling. You're trying to grasp for the thing that's going to make you feel rooted in this very, very vulnerable moment. It's beautiful that he kind of came in and was like, Hey, relax your claws a little bit and let go and sink into the experience. And if I'm being truthful, that is why I haven't done it yet. <laughs> Let me tell you, your girl didn't like to surrender. I, that's, that is the, if there, I know that for sure that that's one of the top three things for me to heal in this, in this current timeline in my lifetime is the ability to surrender. And I think that part of that is maybe like, and I'm curious to hear your opinion. Do you think that the part of the surrendering and why maybe we sometimes have trouble with it? is because we are projecting a lot of self-judgment. Oh, like yes. We are putting a lot of judgment on ourselves, not even necessarily the judgment of others. We we don't want to see how dark and dank. And that's what I was about to say. It, it's never the judgment of others because others not going to be there. <laughs> They're not going to be experiencing what you are experiencing at the moment. And the people who are in that space with you at the moment, they're all healers. They don't even know you. So there's nothing to judge you about. They're there to help you. So when you're experiencing this, it's you who's having to face your fears and those traumas that you've locked away and that you threw the keys away. So 
And, you know, and that's why I was saying, because the feeling is, I mean, the experience is so individualized. Everybody has their own ego. For me, my ego death was just being so afraid of the unknown. I didn't know if my experience was going to be physical or emotional. And physical meaning, because some people, like a lady, she says she kind of like experienced things like in an avatar. And I was like, I hope not. I don't want to be like walking in an avatar, <laughs> but I know for sure, like I could feel and see the raindrop individually because that night it was raining. And when I looked down, everything was emphasized that I remember for sure. And, wow. I, and my vision was like in a TV kind of glitchy type of way. Yeah. It almost felt like something was trying to connect. Oh my God. It just, this like, it makes my head tingle. Like, no, it makes my head tingle because it's like, that's what I'm talking about. They're like, you have no idea how to describe it, but with just the language we know. And it's just so insane. I remember during my Reiki attunements, I would hear my own voice, but it was like another version of my own voice. And I, I, the only way I could describe it was like, self to self like it reminded me of like that Kermit meme where they're both like talking to like I was like I I'm hearing myself apart from myself and that shit was wild like it's like you're fracturing yeah and like you said you can see each individual thing I remember when I first started doing Reiki I would see things in what I would describe as analog like on an analog tv like a very old black and white image and now things are colorful but when I started it was like an old school like 1960s television like that's how I saw everything and it was insane and so I'm like thinking do people get like scared of the images like are they worried that they're gonna see something terrifying or like yes <laughs> there are you know a lot of a lot of the um interviewer not interviewers but um participants that I you know watched when I was doing the research and stuff Many of them were terrified of what it was going to be, you know, um, and the experience is so different. Like one of his, and he explained how his was like, he was standing, watching his life, like literally watching his life. And it was kind of like a fireball that was coming and just dumping itself. Like he could see it. I had similar experience as well. And this was during a time when I was up, just how he was up during a time. And it was this, this was the part from the dream that I explained to you, Crystal. And in this, in this moment, when I went through my trip, like every time I closed my eyes, I was in this big green field. Wow. I don't know. So the feeling is like, have have any of you had had a really high fever? Yeah. So when that happens, you have kind of like a you kind of hallucinate a little bit. That's that's the kind of feeling. But according to people, they said with the ayahuasca, it's not called hallucination. It's some type of other name they call it. I've forgotten. But that's how you kind of feel, you know. So you're it's kind of like a projector, and you're like it's just in your eyes. Things like was happening, you know it. I can remember so clearly <laughs> the first sun, not sun, sorry, the moon came in. It, it was like a tiny ball, but I was like this giant person in the field. This, the moon came and it dropped and it made an, a huge explosion. But because I was so big, the explosion wasn't so big to me. And then it got out of the ground and went back into the sky. And then multiple other ones came and it started to circle me, circle me, circle me. 
And this thing I'm telling you is like I'm watching a movie. Wow. It goes into my body and it, it kind of like explodes into a new me. And this new me automatically starts to slide down the grass. And when I say slide, it's not like a slide where you just slowly, it's like a slide and I'm going so fast. Yeah, and I'm going through doors. I'm passing through doors. And this is happening during the time where the medicine is really kicking my butt. Yeah. I have not even started to experience the emotions yet. I have not even started to experience the courage yet. It's it, all of this time, it's like a confusion of what's happening and what's not supposed to be happening. It, it truly feels like um, or sounds like accessing something like that our only our spirit can access it's like your body is there your consciousness is in a completely different plane absolutely otherworldly absolutely other dimensional there it's like you're not and, and that's how I'm like I know we have spirit you know what I mean because it's like you literally went to a completely different place you know oh yeah, oh, yeah. it was so wow. it was it was such an experience I've never had before going through those doors it was like a door of my life different oh. I was seeing there was a door, this specific door had a lot of money. And I, I went through that door. It was like, I'm, I keep trying to stop. And I'm like, I want to stop. Like, I want to stop. And then the voice said, stop. You know, the voice said, then stop. So when the voice said, stop, I, you know, kind of like held onto the door. So when I held onto the door, man, I started a whole reverse back to the top. <laughs> That's where I went. All the way back to the top. But this time around, when I went back to the top, I could choose how to go back down the stairs. When I explained that to the shaman after, I, you know, the next morning, he told me that going through doors nonstop and I kept sliding is because prior to that, I had not told him because I told him I wasn't going to tell him my reason until the ceremony was over. Then I was going to tell him, you know, what my intentions were and everything. And he told me, he said, going through those doors just mean that I'm lost. I'm confused and I don't know what I want. So that's why oh. I keep sliding <laughs> through the door. It's almost like it's like your, your subconscious doesn't know where it wants to stop. So it's like, hey, let me show you everything and maybe you can choose. Exactly. Wow. So when I went through the purge, after I, I went through the purge and started ex experiencing my emotions and going through all the different crying and, oh my God, it was, it was, it was horrible when I went through the purge. It was like my body was waiting to go through the purge so that I could like truly experience mm. the true purpose of what I needed to heal, to heal from. It kind of gave me a gist, kind of like, it was almost like, okay. Now, here's the, the title of the movie. The title of the movie is You're Lost and You Need to Be Found. Now, it's time to get into the details of why you're lost and how you can be found. And that's when just all the emotions and everything came out. And I mean, I was talking to myself like I was having a conversation with a person sitting in front of me and I was talking to my mother. And man, memories that didn't even, wasn't even, I mean, they were clearly there. But memories that, you know, had not been brought up in so many years came to the forefront. And the feeling was just so fresh. I was having this conversation with her, like, 
why did you do that? Or why did you say this to me? Because I'm, I'm, I'm an only child from my mom. My mom loves me out of this world. I have seen the sacrifices that she has made for me. But I also believe that being an only parent, living in a third world country, and just having to like measure arms with men to be able to survive, you know, mm-hmm. also, also had her the way she was because she was just very stern. And because she was very stern, she also had a mentality. It became a little abusive, you know? So she didn't realize the, the scar that she was leaving on me because she wasn't the, the, the victim. I was the victim. These things were being done to me. So I remember them and they were hurtful because you're my mother. I only love you. All of the bullshit that we might've experienced as, um, as kids, when you go through these intense healing journeys, I just don't want to get off this podcast at any point in time today without acknowledging how difficult things can be, but also how brave you have to be to do something that is really scary, like an ayahuasca journey or be a parent at all to heal some of the stuff in your lineage and in a, in a, coming from a place of committing to knowing like, I'm going to be really uncomfortable on learning some things about myself so that these kids that I have feel phenomenal about themselves in a few years time. On their own journey, but hopefully they will also have some pieces that are easier than what we had to do. Of course. I think a lot about also that it's the quote that's like, just because your mother didn't break every generational curse doesn't mean she didn't break any of them. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. That is so true. That is so true. That is true. And it's really, it's really something. It makes me very, it makes me very proud that we have all these tools at our disposal. It makes me feel very blessed that we have them. Like, you know, like the way, each thing is every every healing method is not the same and I think that that was really Vienna and I's intention behind this podcast is like all of the many ways that we learn how to heal ourselves like today we're talking about plant medicine last week we talked about affirmations before then we talk about like our friendships like there are just a variety of things that we do and they are with the hope that we can pass on these things and I feel like this is the perfect demonstration of that. Like yoga, the yoga teacher training that Vienna is doing right now, like the the way that that healing is made to integrate with your physical being so that you live it. That's a brave thing to take on when we don't know what to expect from that process. Going into a village of these really beautiful and humble people and doing something that for them is an ancient medicine and saying like, I know I'm about to be out of pocket here in this tent. I'm going to be throwing up everywhere. I'm going to be shitting myself. This is going to be really awkward. And like knowing that you're going to look insane and yep. still being like, I'm going to surrender to that. Like me being like, oh, I'm going to just bounce over here and take some Reiki classes and whatever. And I'm going to like be meditating, but like actually busting my life open. And it is in a completely different place than it was when I started. There is a lot of bravery and vulnerability in these. And so for everyone that is like very terrified to start on that journey, Remember, you've already been something through something that is equally scary, if not scarier. And the only thing that is scarier than not diving into your healing journey is you never doing it because then you just have to live your life like with that nagging feeling you're talking about. If I know that I'm meant to be doing something more, whatever your healing is, please just do it. And you know, the thing of the, the thing about ayahuasca, let me say this when you go through that journey and 
you have gotten the answers to what you need to do and you don't do it, you're still going to be lost. <laughs> so it's not, you know, the medicine isn't going to come into your body and magically transform you into that thing. Right. That you the want. work begins when you get home. So you, it gives you the answer to the questions that you have. Now you have to do the work. If you can do the work, then I'm sorry, you're not going to experience that new and improved you. And for me, when I came back and I got the, my personal confirmation from Mama Ayahuasca in my dream where she patted me on my shoulder and told me what I needed to heal and was able to move forward, I came back, I did what I needed to do. I followed the shaman instructions and just with also my own intuition, mainly you have to go with your own intuition and you, because you know what you need to do. You know, when you've reached your wits, you know, you, you know, when you are there. So how, Diana, have you had an experience like that in yoga where it's like this moment where you're like, I hate this. This is awful. This sucks. And then you're like, oh, I'm so glad. Like you've had a breakthrough like that. I talk about it um, quite a bit. I find that in yoga and why it appealed to me in the first place, it's the only time when my brain is quiet. There's, there's this stillness and this sort of like tapping into a bigger part of my brain, right? Like we only see with such a small part of our brain and such a small part of our field of vision. And when I'm moving with breath and intention, it's the only time that it quiets that conscious piece of it where I've quiet, I have stillness and I'm able to see more and see bigger. And a lot of the time I'll come out of a Shavasana or some sort of meditation and the answer is just there. Mm -hmm. I didn't actively form it. I wasn't thinking about it, but all of a sudden something I've wrestled with, it's, it's all right there fully formed. And it, it feels like that tapping into the universe and the knowing that's there all the time. It's always there with us, but our world makes it very hard to access that. Mm. I think whatever your healing modality is, whether it's Reiki, whether it's ayahuasca, whether it's yoga, whether it's, it doesn't matter what it is. And well, I it could be running, it could be writing, it could be your artwork, it could be so many things. It's, are you able to tap into it? And a lot of the time, the, the process of getting there is painful and it hurts and it doesn't feel right. And we have to be uncomfortable to get there. But once that answer comes, it's like, oh, that was worth it. And not to say that getting the answer is done, right? Crystal and I were talking about this all the time. How many times do you learn the same lesson over and over and over again because you didn't implement it yet and you just yeah. kept learning it? Until and, you and like you said, Stephanie, when you know what to do, yeah. you have to do it or you're going to, you're it, it's, it's worse for you because it's like your spirit is like, girl, you already know this. Yeah. are you not doing it yeah I, and I feel like it was also the best time it was probably the time for me to tell them too because who knows and uh, receptive as they were during the time I you know was putting on the table because my mom was she was completely in agreement I guess she was like girl I'm already old now I got time for none of that well <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing because I don't, I don't think, I don't think my mom would ever be like, she didn't, when I started doing Reiki, she was like, are you scamming people? But she, she legit thought like I was out here miscluing and I get that a lot. I get that a lot. And I understand why people feel that way. But I always say like, 
I'm not going to convince anybody that like what I do is for real, because if you've experienced what I do, then, you know, like, you know, I always say like, you know, I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. Like, I, I feel like I've been a healer my whole life, just not, not necessarily in the way that I am now. And the thing is like, she used to be like, well, you're out here scamming or you're charging money to like, to tell people like, um, where in their body they're holding. And I'm like, yeah, um, I am. And then because she has Parkinson's now I, I do Reiki sessions for her and she will ask me for Reiki sessions on her own. And sometimes she'll be like, Crystal, how come you never want to pull a tarot card for me? And I'm like, Oh, Hey girl, you want some of this? Exactly. I and, thought I was a scammer. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I, I thought I was like a Miss Queen. <laughs> now okay she can chart pay twice as much uh, well yeah she'll be like I, I swear to god she would smack me across the head if i ever was like that would be 120 dollars, mom but <laughs> but i mean i i just think it's I, there's something really beautiful and full circle like when you come back to it and i know that like our, our our parents might not necessarily understand everything we do i do think that the three of us anyway are probably really blessed that um there are moments where our parents actively see us healing. Our moms actively see us healing. And they're like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But also they get it. They know that what we're doing is something for the betterment. I sense that all the time in, in my relationship with my mom. She doesn't necessarily understand everything that I'm doing and why. But what she does know is that my work on myself has allowed me to meet her in a place of compassion and, and to still love her very much. Um, in the way that I did as a kid, even though those boundaries are different and they're set. And I think that that sounds kind of like your mom, Stephanie, where she's just like, I'm not doing all that, but I do recognize why it's really beautiful. And I'm glad that you've done it. What advice would you give to a friend who maybe wants to try ayahuasca, is scared, wants more resources? How would you advise a dear friend if they were thinking about this? The first thing I would I would tell them to start doing is doing a full body cleanse so that you can start to see to see things a lot more clearly because if you are blinded or not blind blinded but if you are even you know have the slight amount of cloud clouded vision you are not going to understand what the medicine is and you're only going to understand it from a physical point so but if you're able to vibrate, if you're vibrating on a higher frequency, you're able to understand it with your third eye. You're able to see more to the medicine and it will allow you to surrender. So surrendering will probably will most likely be killing that ego. So whatever your fear is, you know what your fear is. I don't know what your fear is. So whatever that fearful thing that you're so afraid of is going to happen during the ceremony, mm -hmm. Don't think about it. Everybody experience is different. Yeah. Experiences are individualized. So just because my experience was, you know, a lot from the beginning, yours will most likely not be. Your, yours might be the calmest one. You might come out feeling like a butterfly ready to spread her wings, you know, because there have been people who have also had calm ayahuasca experiences too. It's not always intense, you know, and it, it, it do have three types of ayahuasca, but it really depends on you as the person, how you're going to receive the medicine. Mm -hmm. So first thing, cleanse your body, start eating right, mainly a lot of green leafy vegetables, getting rid of red processed meats. Um, processed food, a lot of oil, a lot of spice, 
you know, foods that will help you vibrate higher, food that will help you see clearly. Um, that's the first step. And through that, you know, also research. For me, I love to research things that are going into my body. So research, 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 and just get ready to surrender. If you're afraid that something is going to pick you up, just embrace that thing picking you up. If you're so afraid to let it go and you're in that moment and you feel like that thing is coming to pick you up, think of the most beautiful thing that's picking you up and your destination mm-hmm. is the most beautiful place that you're about to land. So surrender and, pr- and prepare your body and surrender to the experience. Exactly. That's beautiful. Oh, Stephanie, I'm just so happy that you were able to talk about this with us. And I just want to express a ton of gratitude for your openness and your vulnerability and for, and for the work that you have done in this. I, you know, I could talk to you about this all day, but I mean, I'll probably see you soon anyway. Um, I want to tell the people, I want you to tell the people, can they find you on social media and, and where can they learn more about you and what you are doing in your own healing work? So, well, currently at and holistic wellness, the, that page was temporarily you know, put down because I lost my house last year during a fire. Um, and I started that page and that page has all my, you know, healing sauce and everything on there, but mm. I temporarily put it down. It was just a lot of things. It, it became overwhelming. So I had to put it down, but they can follow my personal page. I'm about to start that page again, because I'm also about to start doing plant medicine tutorial. Um, yeah, so I'm going to, to restart that page and everything is going to be all things plant medicine as well as my journey, my, you know, daily journey, weekly journey, whatever it is, how I go through my hippie life lifestyle, <laughs> you know, <laughs> will be on that page, you know, so attend holistic lifestyle, um, wellness, sorry, it, I'm going to reactivate it, but for now they can follow me on my personal page and also um, Edda Lloyd Walker Foundation page is called ELW Foundation. They can follow me on that as well. Um, our website is www.elwfoundation.org. They can also check it out. That's for the foundation. But yeah, I'm excited to reopen the page and I'm going to send it oh to gosh, you guys. Yeah. I open it so that people can see because I'm rebranding the page. It's going to be, there's a lot of um, spiritual, you know, things that's going to be there. A lot of my healing work because um, I also started practicing shamanic work as well. So <laughs> I love it. That will be there. So yeah. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Uh, just for your beautiful spirit and for sharing this with us. And uh, hopefully we will have you on here again soon. Yes, whenever. I'm so honored to have come on here too. Thank you guys for the opportunity. So Crystal. Let me ask you now that we spoke with Stephanie Carey, are you on your way to the rainforest? To <laughs> I, you know what? I, I, I think maybe at some point in time in my life, I would like to try it. I have a lot of issues around, like, <laughs> I'm probably the perfect candidate in that, like, I need it. Um, I have a lot of issues around like control and all of that and like wanting to feel safe. And I think that maybe at some point in time, spirit will call me to to have that kind of journey. I think it's so beautiful. And I'm so glad that she shared that with us because when you have like a healing journey, there are no, like th- those parts are not easy. Like seeing the ugly stuff is not easy, but like when you see the beauty of it afterward, um, you're just so happy that you went through the hard part. 
So it gives me some hope and, and kind of heightens my curiosity about it all. Yeah. Well, like she said, the medicine calls you. So mm-hmm. like you're it's open. true. Everything else I've ever gone after in terms of my spirituality and, and the, my practices and my tools, like they have called to me. I didn't even want to do Reiki. It's like, I was like, what? That's, that's crazy. That's hippie, hippie shit. I don't want anybody messing around in my aura and like, look at me now. Right. So, you know, sometimes we think we don't want to pursue something and it ends up being like the very thing we're called to do. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know? Did you do it? I don't think so. I I definitely was like listening to her speak and being like, oh my gosh, this sounds amazing. This sounds incredible. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I think at this point in my life, I don't think I can surrender as much as she was saying to make it a worthwhile piece of healing for me. Maybe yeah. one day I'll get there. I think I have a lot more <laughs> letting go and surrendering to do before I get there. Well, that's a beautiful journey in and of itself, you know? Yeah, I feel like she and you, I, I don't know, you know, that imposter syndrome kicks in so quickly that I was just like, I don't think I'm really good enough to do that. I don't oh. think. <laughs> Meanwhile, the universe is going to be like, yes, like bring yourself to me. Like you never know, you never know. But I totally get that. I totally get being like, you know, you have to be in a place where it fits. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love how she spoke of the medicine with such respect for it that I was just like, you have to respect it to go into it. And I Mm -hmm. definitely do in a way that I'm like, I am very scared of it. And I'm not ready for that yet because I cannot surrender. I think there's there it is something something really beautiful about some of these ancient indigenous practices, the way people respond to it with such reverence. And yeah, that definitely came through quite a bit. There's just something about it that like, it speaks to like a, this is bigger than me. And I think that is the surrender. Um, And it's something to work towards. And, you know, we, we might get here in in this lifetime and we might not, but like, I think that that is the feeling after all of that surrendering to something that is bigger so that we can kind of see who we truly are, you know, under that umbrella. There's a lot of ways to get there. And I'm just glad that we found out more about this one and that it was really beautiful for her and we got to hear about it. Yes, it was really exciting to hear from her. And if you have any experience, you listener, in your own healing journey that you want to share and talk about, definitely let us know. It doesn't just have to be your ayahuasca journey, although I would love to hear more people and like mm-hmm. hear everybody's experience with that. So you could always email us about that. But if there's anything else that you would like to share, you could also email us or let us know in the comments. You can email us at healinghappyhourpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok, the Healing Happy Hour Pod. I don't even remember what it is. Healing <laughs> like that. Healing Happy yeah. Hour Pod. You got it. <laughs> it took a few tries, but I got there. So definitely let us know. Also, just like Tell us your gossip. We're always asking for you to spill. We're some- still waiting for that hot, hot tea, y'all. Yep, oh, girl, I have some. Hold on. Ooh. Quick, 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 quick. Okay, like this is the shit that we love. All right, I totally forgot. Okay. Now, I was, I don't know where I was coming back from, but I'm pretty sure I was like fairly tipsy and I like poured myself like into my household. This was like um, weekend before last, maybe. And I got home at like 9.30 and I was like, I'm going to bed because I think I was kind of drunk. And the next day I saw my neighbor across the way who said to me, 
oh my God, did you hear that, that dog barking? Aren't my, my neighbors above me who are amazing, this beautiful couple. They have this really cute dog, um, dog, big ass lab. And I, I hear him bark occasionally, but like I was a dog person. So like, I, you know, I don't pay that much attention to it. And I'm below them. I hear like when they're walking, like we're in a condo. So like, I hear them walking. I hear like, um, like if one of them like yells or plays music, like, or laughs, like really, really loud, like we just hear that stuff and it doesn't bother me. I did not hear this dog barking, but apparently like she was miffed that this dog was barking at like 1030 at night. I thought that like, you know, she was just like, oh, that's so annoying and let it go. <laughs> but then my neighbors from upstairs came downstairs, um, him and his husband to tell me, uh, she, he was like, has anybody said anything to you about the dog barking? And I like told him, I was like, well, the neighbor across the way said something about it. I was like, I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to like shit stir and I'd be minding my business. But this did happen. Um, I was like, I did not hear it. I was knocked out. I was exhausted and life be life in. So like, I didn't hear a dog bark, but like they, they were understandably pissed that like one time their dog was probably riled up about something. Like it might've heard somebody knock or something might've hit the window. Like stuff like that happens and dogs be tripping out. But like now there's like neighbor tension because she like left this note on their door, like unacceptable. I can't believe that the dog was barking. Like you need to control the, your animal and this your quiet hours. And I was like, girl, it's not that serious. And have they both been there? Like the same amount of time is one of them newly moved in. I think they've both been here for several years, but I think that the lady across the way has been here longer. Mm -hmm. But like, also like, it's not that, it's not that serious. I have never heard that dog excessively bark. Also I'm biased. I'm like, the dog is super fucking cute. It's really sweet. It always tries to come in my house when it runs by like my door when it's on its way outside. And I'm like, yeah, come in here, hang out because I don't have a dog anymore. Um, yeah. Diddy doesn't like it, but it's cool. Um, and I'm like, listen, we're all in close quarters. And, um, I understand, I could understand if it was like two 30 in the morning, three 30 in the morning, like whatever, but like, 1030 at night, girl. She, yeah, that want and require absolute silence in your living situation. A condo is not going to be the place for you. Like you're going to have to deal with that on your own. But the way I see it now, you personally, you crystal have two options. You can get in real good with your upstairs neighbors and hopes that they'll like keep you in the loop of what's going on. Or you could like be nice kind of to both of them. So they're both telling you a little bit, but I really don't want to reward that nasty lady neighbor. I'm always going to be nice because I have to live here. Right. But like, I am definitely team coupled upstairs with the dog because like a team dogs, duh. also they have two cats. They're really fucking cute. Um, they're adorable. They're very sweet. They see me out. They like, <laughs> we have an agreement that like, Hey, we're loud. You're loud. Even though I don't think they're loud. And I'm like, if you ever hear me being loud, I'm like, if I'm yelling at my kids too loud, <laughs> come knock on my door. And they're like, okay, if we're loud too, like, let us know, like, you know, whatever. But they're, they're such sweethearts. Like, I can't imagine not being on their side, but like 1030 at night, girl, hush. And like, go get some ear earplugs. Like, one time you heard the dog barking like one time at 10 30 and now you want to like leave nasty grams on doors don't do that don't be that person that that is 
I could never, I truly could never, I would move before because I am a people pleaser and terrified of conflict, but also I would just move if it really was. I, I will rage. I, well, I used to. So I have lived in some places where people were really fucking loud and, or they were like, um, smoking so much that like it would get in my place of living. And I, and me as a mom, like one time I lived in an apartment here in Columbia where the guy downstairs had like a fucking Dolby surround sound like in his apartment. And I'm like, but why do you need to start a movie at nine o'clock where the floor is rumbling beneath me? Like, I don't, and if, if it didn't rumble, I don't know that I would care. I would just be like, all right, this is really loud and it's annoying, but like he'll eventually stop. But the rumbling literally woke Javi up. He was like a year old. And I went down there and I was like, sir. Like, I was very caring about it. And I was like, listen, I understand this is a department. You can do what you want. I'm like, but like, it's after nine o'clock, my child's in bed and you just woke him up because it's literally vibrating through the floor in his room. Like, can you just a little bit like or in that same apartment complex? This isn't, and this is like in the suburbs. So like, don't get no, like people are fucking wild everywhere. That same apartment complex, the people above us decided that 2 a.m. was a good time for them to move out of their apartment. Yeah, that people have no situational awareness none and those were two times I was mad we lived at this this house in Hamden in Baltimore Mm. row house it was before I knew you well yes it was before I met you so it was like around the corner from the house that you knew where I lived so Mm -hmm. I didn't go too far but when I tell you these neighbors first night we moved in they were having uh a welcome home from jail party for the mom of the family. It was like a multi-generational family that lived in the house. And it was like the middle age group, like that mom. So her parents or maybe her husband's parents, I don't know, were the grandparents and then like her children. So she got out of jail, came home that night. They were having a big party. We were very happy for them. They seemed very, mm-hmm. they seemed very sweet. It was day one. Um, before the night was out, she was back in custody because it got Shut the- wow of that rowdy. And like the grandparents of the family that lived there, like they had an a sister, maybe there was like an older auntie who lived there who would panhandle me to let me get into my car in the morning. I would have to like give her my spare change so she- I could get in or out of my car to go to work. Uh it was. <laughs> it was not we, we need to have a whole thing on neighbors because like boy do I have some stories for y'all I ask, ask me on another episode about my neighbor who um told me or said that she was already a nurse but going back to school to become to, to learn how to draw blood because she wanted to be a lobotomist just ask me about it a lobotomist I, ask, ask me about it because Will and Will and I would be happy to talk about it. That was like I I need that story. That sounds yeah, like- you're gonna love it. Shout out to Gigi wherever you are. You were crazy as fuck and you were drunk, but um, you're cool. I I will wake up in the middle of the night just being like, whatever happened to that little boy who lived next door? Like he must be like in high school by now, probably older. Like what what's he doing with I wanna, his- I wanna know, like, did the lady go back to jail and like 
Did she like violate her probation? Go back to jail? Yeah. Damn, I, that sucks. She just got out. Yeah. Oh, not even 24 hours of freedom. Shit. 12 hours of freedom. She really, she went hard. Yeah. I respect it. I like that in a way though. I kind of like it. I'm not going to yeah, if she could have just gotten her aunt to stop taking pennies from me so I can get in and out of my car, I would have really felt a lot better about it. But the insanity. Yeah. Oh, it. Was lit. <laughs> it was wild. Congrats for being one of the best places in the world. <laughs> wild. Um, all right. Well, oh, yeah. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> I, don't know. I love it. I did have something else to say. So our conversation with Stephanie, there's like twice as much as what actually made it into this episode. Oh my gosh, yes. Will be bonus content available. The other half of that interview, we got so deep into mother wound, parenting, being moms, being a friend. Like there's so much more. It was so good. We talked for so long and we could have kept talking for like hours more because she was just that incredible. Um, and you'll be able to access these bonus interviews and bonus content on our Patreon, which is not available yet, but <laughs> it will be, it's going to be, we're going to, we're going to put that bad boy up this week and we'll definitely, um, blow the whistle when it's time for you to head over there and take a look but it's a beautiful conversation I really got hope that you guys um listen in on it and I'm sure Vienna and I are going to have like some more conversation around motherhood and just the ways it makes you look at um yourself your yourself as a child as you raise your own child because yeah. I think if anything prompted my healing journey I can absolutely say that it was the journey of parenthood mm -hmm. um like oh you better fix this shit before your kid's gonna be all fucked up <laughs> But, um, but I mean, yeah, I think a lot of us think that, and I think that this conversation is so, um, perfect to talk about that. So just, just look for that little hot clip coming and we can't wait to share more with you in the upcoming weeks. Yes. So yeah, stay tuned, stay looking for any updates of when that Patreon is ready. It will be very, very soon. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, it will actually be up, but, uh, yeah. We'll see you over there and we'll see you back here next week. We love ya, Crystal. People find me at Temple Honey Healing on Instagram. Give me um, a shout out, a good word. Come talk to me about Reiki. Come talk to me about tarot. Come talk to me about your favorite lipstick shade. I love all that stuff. Just come talk. I love it. Amazing. And you can find me at Globe Inside Out or at the Healing Happy Hour pod. <laughs> I'm, and we'll see you soon. Love you. Bye. Thanks so much for hanging out with us at the Healing Happy Hour. Subscribe or follow to make sure you don't miss a single episode. We're dropping wisdom and foolishness every Thursday, and we want you here with us. See you next week. <laughs>